Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring, Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, you pilgrims, be joyful and sing, Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration and music with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and the Voice of Prophecy speaker, H.M.S. Richards, a Seventh-day Adventist minister. Jesus, my Savior, came to save me When I was wandering out in the night Riches of glory freely gave me Flooded my soul with His wondrous light I'm saved, saved, this is my story Jesus, my Savior, cleanses and keeps me. I'm saved, saved, filled with His glory. Glory to Jesus, His grace is free. Jesus, my Savior, soon will call me home to my mansion shining above. There shall I see him in his glory, praise and adore him in songs of love. I'm saved, saved, this is my story. Jesus, my Savior, cleanses and keeps me. I'm saved, saved, filled with his glory. Glory to Jesus, His grace is Father, we pray today for all preachers of the truth in every land and of every name. May thy word be upheld and open to the people. We pray that the sheep of thy pasture may be fed the bread of heaven, the word of the living God. Help us in our broadcast today to do our part of this important work for thee. In Jesus' name. of quiet rest near to the heart of God a place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God 
O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God. Hold us who bow before thee, near to the heart of God. Where the tide 
of the hymn, Son of My Soul, were written by John Keeble in 1820, and the music by an unknown composer 46 years before. The fact that this fine old hymn is still a favorite today is a real tribute to its beauty. Son of my soul, Here now is H.M.S. Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker. His subject, the busy angel. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass. 
I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. Quoting from the great prophecy of the seven churches in Revelation 2, 18 and 19. Notice, friends, that in the letter to this angel, Christ mentions the works twice. I know thy works, and then at the end of the sentence, thy works, the last more than the first. This truly is a busy angel, busy working for God, and not only working, but improving, and that's unusual. The last works better than the first. We shall not read all of the letter to this busy angel. It's the longest of all the messages to the seven churches. It's also the middle letter, and rightly represents the church of the Middle Ages. It is not only the longest letter, but it represents the longest time, about a thousand years, or half of the Christian dispensation. We need to remember that the very sequence of these seven letters, as well as the letters themselves, is significant. Taking them all together, we have a perfect picture of the church as seen through the eyes of Christ himself. Christianity which had started in such purity and power and fervor, suffered a relapse in the Middle Ages, sometimes called the Dark Ages. This was all foreseen and foretold by the Apostle when he said in his letter to the Thessalonians, That day, that is, the day of the Lord's appearing, shall not come except there come a falling away first. Second Thessalonians 2, 3. And he declared that the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Verse 7, the spirit of apostasy, which was beginning even in Paul's day, began to reach its culmination in these Middle Ages. The name Thyatira means sacrifice of contrition. And the city of Thyatira was known for two things, a city of brass and bronze foundries. The people are well acquainted with molten metal. Famous also for the red and purple cloth made there and sold all over the Roman world. Those who read the New Testament remember a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, mentioned in Acts 16.14. It is believed that she returned to her home city where a local Christian church was soon started. In his letter to the angel of Thyatira, the Lord Jesus describes himself as one whose eyes are like a flame of fire and his feet are like fine brass or molten bronze, as the margin puts it, Revelation 2.18. The people of this city certainly would understand that picture. In his condemnation of the church of Thyatira, the Lord speaks against a certain false prophetess called Jezebel. She was also an adulteress, a teacher of idolatry. She and her children are here threatened with death. In this period, simple faith was exchanged for outward works. It is clear to every true Christian who studies the New Testament that salvation cannot be bought or earned. It is the gift of God. It comes to us by grace and by grace alone. Now, during this period of the church, elaborate ritual took the place of these simple principles of truth. The true situation in those far-off days has been largely obscured, but it's made plain by a study of the actual Queen Jezebel herself as revealed in the book of Kings, 1 Kings, the 21st chapter. 
She was a daughter of the king of Zidon, an idolater and sun worshiper. She became the wife of Ahab, the king of Israel. She dominated him, introduced into Israel the pagan religion of the Phoenicians. As a result of this unfortunate marriage, we find that Ahab himself did sell himself to work wickedness, the Bible says, and followed idols. But at the very height of the great apostasy introduced by this wicked woman, when she, as the representative of heathen religion, was joined with Ahab, representing the state and head of the true people of God, a mighty prophet was raised up to do a work of reformation, Elijah. The undisputed rule of Queen Jezebel lasted for three and a half years in Israel, during which there was a great drought at the word of Elijah. Everything came to a standstill. So during the Middle Ages, there was a great spiritual drought for three and a half prophetic years, or 1260 days, each day standing for a year. As we read in Revelation 12, 6, and other verses, just as Elijah of old had to flee to the desolate places of the mountains from the wrath of Jezebel, so during these so-called dark ages, thousands of God's children were preserved in the desolate places of the Alps in southern France, even in the great cities of Europe, as faithful worshipers of God. Through Elijah of old, Jezebel was warned and had an opportunity to repent. So at the close of the Middle Ages, the mighty Reformation broke out, led by Martin Luther and other men of God. To go fully into all the wonderful prophecy of this letter to the busy angel would take many pages, many chapters, even many books, which, by the way, are available to earnest students. And these things are fully explained also in the Voice of Prophecy Bible Correspondence courses, and all are invited to take these courses. It cheers our hearts to know that in every time of apostasy there are those who are faithful to God. Just when Elijah thought he was the only one left to worship the true God, the voice of the Lord surprised him, saying, Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal. 1 Kings 19.18 and friends, it's that way in every time, in every period, especially this marked as the period of the busy angel, the church of Thyatira. God has his chosen people, his remnant of faithful ones. To all his true followers, the words of Christ come, as we read here in this message, that which ye have already hold fast till I come. This is the first promise of the coming of Christ in this series of messages. The great doctrine of Christ's second coming had been obscured by many theologians in the Middle Ages, but it ought to be and is a blessed hope to all of the children of God everywhere in every land. On March 23, 1743, when the Messiah was first sung in London, the king himself was present in the audience. All the people were so deeply moved by the Hallelujah Chorus and its impressive words, For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth that the whole audience, including the king, sprang to their feet and remained standing throughout the entire chorus. From that time to this, it's the custom for the audience to rise when the great chorus begins. I've heard the Messiah many times, but the thrill is always just as great as the first time, when the audience rises as the mighty words roll out like the waves of the sea, King of kings and Lord of lords, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's when the Son of Man comes and all the holy angels with him that he appears as King of Kings. Matthew twenty-five thirty-one. To this church which kept the light burning through the long dark night comes the added promise 
that the overcometh who keepeth my works unto the end shall be given the morning star. It's clear from Scripture that Jesus himself is the bright and morning star who is to reign forever on the throne of David. Numbers 24, 17. This promise of the morning star shows that the period of darkness was about to pass away. We think of the great reformer Wycliffe, who himself was called the morning star of the Reformation, and of Savonarola in the 15th century, another of these harbingers of light. Jesus is the morning star and shines in every time of darkness. Socrates taught for over 40 years, Plato for 50, Aristotle for 40. But Jesus taught for only a little over three years. Yet these three years have changed the world more than the teaching of all these other men combined. Jesus painted no pictures, yet such masters as Raphael, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci have painted more pictures of him than of any other man. Jesus wrote no poetry, yet he is the subject of the world's greatest poetry by such men as Dante and Milton and many others. Jesus composed no music, but his name inspired such great composers as Haydn, Hondo, Beethoven, Bach, and Mendelssohn, who reached their highest perfection of melody in their symphonies and oratorios written to his praise. Every age, every race has had its philosophers, artists, and musicians, but none of them could accomplish the salvation of a single soul. Only Jesus could do that. Only Jesus could break the power of canceled sin and set the heart free. Other great teachers could tell men how they ought to live, but they could not give them the power to live the life. Only Jesus can give power to the powerless and life to the dead. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. John 1, 11. My friend, is your life dark? Is any part of it dark? Would you not like to see the morning star rise in your heart? Then open your heart to him now, and it shall be done. By the eye of faith you will see him as you have never seen him before, the fairest of ten thousand, the one altogether lovely. Yes, Jesus is brighter, Jesus is purer than all the angels heaven can boast. Jesus is fairer. Je- 
shines purer than all the angels in can boast. As we leave you for this time, remember the power of God knows no equal. So then let us keep looking up, going forward in faith. Have faith in God, known are thy works afar. Have faith in God, thy burden, deeds, and war. Have faith in God, to see the morning star. Have faith, dear friend, in God. We hope that you've enjoyed our program today. And we hope that you'll remember that every Thursday is prayer day here at the Voice of Prophecy. Hundreds, thousands of people are praying for you. And we hope you'll be praying for them and all of us, one for another, every Thursday, Worldwide Prayer Day. Now we invite you to listen again next week for another broadcast brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy. And we say to one and all, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.